They stopped and listened. Slowly they began to hear the sound of rushing water. They looked at each other and all around to determine the origin of the sound. Ham ran the long way down the corridor to one of the 28-foot stalls and called back to the others, exclaiming, It's a... Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And keep in mind, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Ark, the Read, and the Fire Cloud, by visiting www.audible.com. Or check out Jenny's website, epicorderofthe7.com, where you'll find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven books, including her latest book, The Declaration, The Sword, and the Spy. Go to epicorderofthe7.com. On today's episode, we'll bring you Chapter 40 from The Ark, the Read, and the Fire Cloud. But first, let's bring out our host with the most and our hostess with the mostest, Max and Liz. Hostess with the mostest? Seriously? Aye, talk about cheesy. Hey, announcer lad, <laughs> what year is this? We are, are the writers on strike? Uh, yeah, 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 okay, I, I know, that was, that was kind of lame. Oh, now, don't be so hard on yourself. It, it was not kind of lame. Well, thanks. Hey, lad, it was really lame. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could do better. Oh, monsieur, please. How hard could it be? Hey, lad, we're not talking about rocket surgery here. Fine. Um, have at it. Uh, pardon? Introduce yourselves. All right, uh, then. <coughs> uh, 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 now here's a kitty who's uh, really smart, then, and, and, and not very big, uh, and... Uh, uh, let me... Uh, messieurs and madames uh, and uh, mademoiselles, uh, everyone, uh, here is a fine specimen of the Scottish Terrier, also known as the Aberdeen Terrier, one of the five breeds of terrier that originated in Scotland and... um. Of which he is, um... Not so easy, is it? Uh, it seems this is not my gift. Uh, nor mine. Uh, I guess some lads are better at yapping away than others. Thanks, I, I think. But then, then there's the maker. The maker, oh, he can do anything. Right you are, Liz. And in today's episode, he's going to prove it. We. Oui. Last time, you remember, he made a stall of frigid ice and snow. Aye, because that's what the polar bears needed. But wait, there's more. More incredible habitats. That only the maker could come up with. So, without further ado, back to the ark, the reed, and the fire cloud. So how was that? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that was, uh, <clears throat> that was great. Good, good job. Chapter 40, A New Creation Noah led Ada, Shem, and Nala down the corridor to join Ham and his wife, Maybeer, at the opposite end of the ark. As they approached, their skin started feeling wet from the humidity. The sounds of squawking birds, howling monkeys, and buzzing insects filled the area with energy and life. Suddenly, they saw something swinging above them in the air. It was a pair of red howler monkeys, clearly having the time of their lives. But what were they swinging on? As the people looked closely, their jaws 
dropped. It defied explanation. There, in midair, swung the monkeys on strong green vines. The vines were rapidly growing all along the frame of the stalls, curling around beams and branching off into hundreds of other vines. A thick canopy of vegetation filled the stalls throughout this entire region. Nala reached her hand out to touch the vine as it moved along the railing next to her. As her hand touched the vine, she felt the soft petals of a flower open under her fingers. She jumped back with a giddy, oh, as the flower tickled her. Maybeer ran over to Nala, a beautiful flower tucked behind her ear. Can you believe this? We were just standing here with the animals in the corridor, and the next thing we knew, she started to say, the monkeys crossed the threshold into the stall, and the vines started growing, interrupted Shem, laughing at yet another spectacle, as he allowed a small vine to curl around his finger. He could hardly contain his excitement. But look up there! It's not just vines, it's trees! Real trees are actually growing, said Ham, talking fast and pointing to the ceiling of the stall. Shem, Nala, and Ada turned their gaze to see a lush forest of leaves and trees so thick there was no wood to be seen. But there, dancing between the branches, was light. It was as if sunlight was just above the tree canopy, finding its way through the tangle of branches and leaves. The girls jumped as the red howler monkey screamed a loud, The monkeys were joined by a pair of black chimpanzees who swung in the trees with them. The male chimp stopped to swing by one arm toward a tall, thick stalk. He sniffed at the stalk when suddenly he screeched. There next to the chimp sprouted a cluster of long green-yellow bananas. He called to his mate, who joined him on the branch, along with the red howler monkeys. The monkeys looked at each other, then simply sat and stared at the bananas. I'll never see more. Them bananas just popped out of nowhere. Should we eat them? Said Rufus, the red howler monkey, swinging by his tail. I think we should check the bananas to see if they do anything else, replied Keb, the male chimp. I wouldn't want to glaze on something without checking it first. He kept his gaze on the bananas while scratching his underarm. Let's eat here. Only the maker could make these fruits pop out of nowhere for us, said the female chimp, Okapi. She shook her head in Keb's face for emphasis. And that's why I say it's okay to eat them. Go ahead, Keb. Give me one of them bananas. I'll eat it first if Aliyah don't want any, exclaimed Jovita, the red howler monkey, also swinging by her tail and jabbing Keb in the arm. Okay, friend. I'll get you one just now. Shame if we don't eat them. They look so good, answered Keb, pulling a banana off the bunch. The humans watched as the male chimp started pulling the bananas from the clump, passing them around to the monkeys there. A pair of huge red orangutans swung over to where the monkeys sat and waited their turn. They all sat, peeling the tasty fruit, eating, and screeching with delight between bites. Noah's family pointed and laughed with joy at this miracle. But look at the really big monkeys! Ham shouted, directing their attention to the next stall. 
There in a thick grove of trees sat the largest of primates, a pair of gorillas. The male was massive, with huge muscular arms and broad shoulders. The female was smaller, but still quite large compared with the other primates. Together the gorillas sat in a nest of leaves in the middle of a bamboo grove, pulling off stalks next to them and chewing the bamboo with great satisfaction. Ham went over and tried to break off a stalk of bamboo, but couldn't bend it. The plant was incredibly strong. He looked back at the gorillas, marveling at the massiveness of their bodies. Are they laughing at me? Ham thought as they looked at him with grins on their faces. Did you see that, Mashaka? The male gorilla said, laughing at the weak human who couldn't bend the bamboo. He's a mafia boy. Nakatungi, don't you go off like that. Shame that the human is so weak, but you don't have to go make a scene about it. He knows you are stronger, replied Mashaka, knowing her husband had a tendency to show off in the jungle. Sometimes his strength gave him a big head, and that was his weakness. I'm not going to make a scene. Just want to have a little fun showing off to this oki, said Katungi. Suddenly he stood up, lifted his long arms, and beat his chest with his fists. He made a hooting sound, acting genuinely excited. Mashaka, the female gorilla, just sat there, rolling her eyes, not impressed with her mate's performance. Maybeer tried to suppress her laughter as she watched Ham and the gorilla. Ham suddenly felt like an 80-pound weakling compared with this beast, who pulled off another stalk of bamboo as easily as snapping a dry twig. Hmm, are you satisfied now? Seems to me you'd be mindful of these humans. So shape up, and I best not see you give that human a flight. Mashaka ordered her big silverback mate. I'm just having fun with that muffy boy. I'll shape up, Katungi said to his wife with a grin. The gorilla sat down and continued his meal, smiling at Ham from his perch. Ham looked back at the gorilla and gave a weak smile in return, hoping he'd never have to match strength with this beast in anything that mattered. It was hard for Noah's family to know where to look next. Insects buzzed all around them, landing here and there, a pair of toucans flew about, going from branch to branch, eating berries that popped out on the limbs. One of the toucans flew right into the trunk of the tree, bonking her beak before unsteadily landing on a branch. The colorful bird shook her long yellow beak as if to clear her head. A beautiful black and orange butterfly landed on Noah's shoulder before taking flight again. Noah smiled as Ada stretched out her hand to beckon the butterfly to land on her fingers. The butterfly softly landed in her hand and spread her wings up and down, as if to say hello, before flying back to the growing rainforest. Wait, do you hear something? Shem asked. Which something could you possibly be talking about, Shem? <laughs> there is so much noise in here I can't make out much of anything, said Maybeer, still giggling at how the gorilla showed up ham with the bamboo. They stopped and listened. Slowly they began to hear the sound of rushing water. They looked at each other and all around to determine the origin of the sound. Ham ran the long way down the corridor to one of the 28-foot stalls and called back to the others, exclaiming, It's a waterfall! 
The others gasped as they ran down the corridor, overwhelmed at the thought of another miraculous event occurring in the ark. They had already seen more than they ever could have imagined. And now a waterfall? They soon gathered around the top of the stall and gazed over at this inexplicable spectacle. The waterfall flowed at the top of the stall from an invisible reservoir behind a well-formed rock that appeared to have come from the deck below. The water cascaded down 28 feet, crashing into a pool of water that filled a circular pond in the middle of the lower stall, leaving a sandy bank around the edge. Marsh grass was visible around the edge of the pool, and amazingly the water did not overflow its banks. Sitting on the edge of the bank was a pair of crocodiles, sitting half in, half out of the water, eyes closed, content to let the world go by. Cool spray from the waterfall misted their faces as the humans looked to see cranes, ducks, and all manner of waterfowl flying down from the upper deck to enjoy the water in the pool. Frogs were croaking and jumping on the rocks, and a pair of chameleons slowly walked along a branch that overhung the waterfall, licking the water drops from the leaves. Japheth and Lily waved up at Noah and the others from the lower deck by the pool. They had just guided a pair of flamingos in to join the other animals. This is impossible, Ham shouted, holding his head in disbelief. You should have seen it happen, shouted Lily. Did you bring all these creatures in with you? shouted Noah, seeing all manner of birds, reptiles, and other animals gathering there. No, we brought some of these animals, but now all sorts of creatures are creeping down the corridor, finding their way to the waterfall. It's like they are following the sound of their home. They know right where they belong, answered Japheth, holding up a turtle that wriggled his legs in the air. Japheth set the turtle down, and it sauntered into the pool of water, disappearing in the marsh grass. And look, plants and vines are growing everywhere. It's like a whole new world forming inside the ark, shouted Lily, giddy and happy from all she saw around her. The people looked at one another with mouths wide open. They were witnessing a miraculous transformation of the ark. Even though just building the ark seemed like a miracle, it never occurred to them what God would do inside the ark. Look how the Lord has provided for the needs of the animals, from the cold to the desert to the rainforest. He has made the impossible happen within the walls of the ark. We are seeing a new creation happen right before our eyes, Noah said, smiling broadly. Ada put her hand on Noah's arm. Not a single need of these creatures has been overlooked. They even appear to have their favorite foods. How could God do all this, care for so many different creatures at the same time? My mind just can't take all this in, Nala said, twirling a bright pink flower in her hands, then lifting it to her nose to smell the sweet fragrance of the bloom. There is beauty here. It's like a paradise. Shem suddenly had an idea. Father, perhaps if the people from the village saw the miracles happening inside the ark, then they would believe, Shem said, hopefully, thinking of Avi. Noah looked at his son, knowing how burdened he was for his friend, his wise, gentle eyes filled with understanding and compassion.
No, Shem, the people have not believed the clear evidence of God's work outside the ark, which alone was miraculous. They have not believed our words of warning, and now their hearts are hardened to the truth. Nothing more is going to persuade them. He gestured to a trumpet vine that curled its way along the railing where he stood. Not even this. A pair of colorful macaws flapped their wings and landed on the railing as Noah reached into his pocket and pulled out a handful of nuts. One bird bobbed her head up and down and started mimicking Noah, cackling loudly and saying, Not even this! Not even this! Ah! The humans clapped and laughed at the talking bird. This was one of the most amazing things yet. <laughs> Who knew birds could talk? exclaimed Maybeer with sheer delight. Noah chuckled and gave the bird another nut. <laughs> the miracles of seeing God work the impossible like we've seen here come to those who believe and trust Him before seeing such signs as these. It's because we first believed the word of the Lord and did as He said that He has granted us the privilege of seeing Him do the impossible. The Lord asked us to build an ark filled with empty wooden stalls. Was that our faith then? asked Shem. Well, that's how we acted on our faith. He has now taken our small work and added the impossible. He's taken a seed of faith and grown a miracle. The gift of miracles is available to anyone, whoever first has faith in what he says. Because we have entered into the ark, we have experienced a new creation, Noah said, feeding the birds who gobbled up the nuts. No creation! No creation! Squawked the loud bird, bobbing her head up and down excitedly. Shem understood what his father was saying. Faith yields its own rewards, but belief must exist before the impossible is shattered. Nala came over and hugged Shem from behind, silently consoling him. Japheth and Lily walked up from the deck below to where Noah and the others were, standing in awe of the miracles. Noah brushed off his now empty hands and smiled as he spoke to his family. Let's celebrate the gift of the miracle. We have witnessed God's creative handiwork, including seeing light come from darkness. Only He could do this. The family looked at the rainforest and then the waterfall. It was true. Light was everywhere in the ark. It was in the ice. It was in the desert. It was in the forest. The light had no visible source, but they knew without a doubt that the light source was God Himself. He was the light of the world. We have been blessed to see the entire world of creation in one place, inside the ark. This will be a season of discovery and learning as we watch these animals and see how they live. We'll learn to care for them as we better understand what sustains them and how they interact with one another. And it has only begun, for what we've seen today is just the beginning. We've got a lot more ark to fill. Noah's family erupted in laughter and awe already overwhelmed with what they had seen on this first day of the arriving animals. What more awaits us to witness, they wondered. As the day came to a close, 
They danced and sang in the corridor, celebrating God's creation and provision. The animals, too, seemed to join the celebration, exclaiming the wonder of the Maker with the unique, joyful noise He had given to each and every creature. Oh, that was indeed a joyful noise. Aye, it were amazing, just how many noises came out of us. But then, look how different we all look. The Maker must have had a fun time coming up with all those different heads and bodies and arms and wings and fur and feathers. And each with a different voice, each with different abilities, strengths and weaknesses. Only the Maker could do all that. And look at all the incredible things the Maker did inside the Ark. <laughs> oh, très magnifique, things only he could do. Aye. He let Noah build a huge boat, and for a human, that were pretty amazing then. But with all his carpentry skills, Noah could never have brought ice and snow for the colder animals, and put it right down the hole from a beastly hot jungle for the hot jungle beasties. <laughs> we serve an incredible maker, lass, that's for sure. So, it must be uh, challenging for a human to write a story of this nature, no? I mean, it must come from both the heart and the head. There's one way to find out. Let's head to Jenny's corner and find out what's on her heart. <laughs> Try bien, Max. <laughs> you like that then? Uh, okay. uh, <clears throat> uh, hello, Miss Jenny. Well, hello, Max and Liz. Uh, Miss Jenny... My question today is, to write a story so complex and imaginative uh, while still keeping the facts all together, uh, how do you do it? Uh, how do you prepare your heart to write these stories as well as your mind? Well, I prepare my heart by going to the Maker and praying. And I ask Him, please reveal to me what you would have me write and to write these stories, the fictional accounts especially, to be accurate, to be the closest thing of what really happened, because I wasn't there, I don't know, and I want to remain true to the characters and these real humans and what they endured and went through. So I want to honor them with my words. So I ask for the Maker's help in doing that. He's the author with the capital A. And how do I prepare my mind? Research, research, research. <laughs> you cannot write about what you don't know about. And this is where I exhaust my mind sometimes. I know that I over-research, but that's okay. I'd rather have too much and kind of, you know, dig through all I've discovered and pull out the nuggets that I need to use to write the story. Because if I know it well in my heart and my mind, I'll write it well for you, the reader. Well, mission accomplished, lass. You surely do write it well. Oh, she is gifted, we, and diligent with the research. But she depends on the Maker to get to the heart of things. Uh, that's something we can all do, you know. Spend time talking with him. And listening to him. Aye, so if you haven't done that in a while, spend some time praying and talking and, and listening to him. For he loves you so very much. Uh, well then, uh, Monsieur Denis... Oh, thanks, Liz. Oh, and by the way, well done hosting today, you two. I mean, you know, great job, really. Well, thanks a lot. So, what's in store next time around? What's in store? <laughs> you mean, what's in ARC, right? <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny, funny. Uh, you are a stand-up comic, no? 
<laughs> well, I mean, once in a while, I, I do a little stand-up. Well, then, you may be seated. <laughs> oh, good one, Liz. <laughs> yeah, I got to admit, that was pretty good, Liz. Well, anyway, next time, we begin a brand new section of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud, as our friends on the Ark are reunited with some dear friends they haven't seen in quite some time. So, think back. See if you can guess who we haven't heard from in a while. And then join us next time, and we'll all find out. See you then. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on The Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grande! Au revoir, mes amis. Always remember, you are loved and you are able. <laughs>